0: Terry. Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're here. If you've been here before, if you're new, welcome. Um, We pray this morning, whoever you are, wherever you're from, wherever you are in your journey with the Lord, that this morning you'd meet the love of Christ. You'd find healing, you'd find forgiveness, you'd find restoration, refreshment uh, in his presence with with his people here. Uh, We want to Bring your attention to the communion that's throughout the sanctuary. Whenever the Lord leads you, you're, you're welcome to come take communion and remember that it's all about his grace. It's all about his forgiveness. It's all about what he did for us on the cross. So take that. Um, don't miss that opportunity. If you're able, stand with me and we'll read just a couple of verses from Psalm chapter 57, verse one. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will take my refuge until these calamities have passed. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your mercy. We cry out for your mercy this morning. We thank you that you are very present. You're not just present, but you're very present help in time of need. And now is our time of need. Always, Lord, we need you. So we just confess our need. We thank you that you're here to meet us. We invite you to be in the center. We open the door. We hear your voice. We hear you knocking. Let each of us individually and all of us together as we worship you, as we study your word today, just meet with you and let you transform our lives, Lord. We thank you for this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Turn around, say hello to someone and we'll get into our worship time.
1: Splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. But it trembles at its voice It trembles at its voice
2: How great is our God How
1: great is our God, oh sing with me, how great is our God, and oh see how great, how great is our God. Let's sing it one more time. How great. I hey. fix our eyes upon and we know that you will never fail us you are the solid rock on which we stand lord thank you god that we can build our lives we can place our trust in you knowing lord that you are good knowing that you love us you have the best for us lord every song we could ever sing, and worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, and live for you. Sing out his name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe and live for you. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We lift up the name of Jesus, oh Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Well this morning we'd like to give a warm welcome to Chris Lazat and John Andrew
2: Schreiner.
3: Still. of grace fall over me rescuing me again and again guide me to the dead free Good morning. That song was written by John, it's a great song. We uh, recently did a record with just him on piano and strings and he wrote these great prayers and we, we go back to high school together and so it's just been really fun to do this record together and we're gonna do another song that John put the music to an old prayer. It's called Valley Vision. darkness show me the repenting soul finds joy Lord high and holy Here in my death Let me find Your life Here in my sorrow Your grace in my sin Your riches in my poverty Father, hear my cry You have brought me to the valley of Israel.
4: Mexico with us again? C. Did you know the dates are December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd? C. Did you put down your $45 deposit?
0: C. Did you fill out your release form? C. What chord have you been practicing? C. Come out for Nerf November. November 12th and November 19th. Ages 8 all the way up to 12th grade to have a great time blasting each other.
5: come help please go see the children's ministry counter
0: at this time we want to release junior high and high school to go meet your teachers in the lobby and parents you can meet them back there after the service we also want to let you know if the lord's leading you to give you can give in the boxes at the back of the sanctuary in the lobby or online at our website let's go to prayer now and just take a few moments and quiet our hearts before the lord uh, before the bible study
6: let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here to your house, Lord. Lord, we lift up Israel to you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the promises of your word in Genesis 12:3 that says that you will bless those who bless Israel. Father God, help us as a nation, Father, to seek you, Lord. Help us to seek your guidance. Lord, we lift up the needs of this congregation, Father, the people who are struggling through cancer, people who are struggling financially, Lord, people who are struggling through marriages. Father, we lift them up and we lay them at your feet this morning, Father God, knowing that you are the answer to all we need. Lord, we ask this morning, Father, as Pastor Gray comes, bring forth the word, Father, you would uh, fill us, Father, fill us with overflowing, Lord, we may go out and spill out in a world that so desperately needs you, Father. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.
4: Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Terry. If we have any uh, active-duty veterans in the house, or if you have relatives that are in the military or if you've ever served as a veteran, I'd like to have you guys all stand up real quick. We just wanna say thank you. Yes. Thank you for your service, thank you for serving the rest of us, keeping the homeland safe. If the rest of you would stand up, we'll read Our passage that we're going to look at this morning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, starting in verse 31. I'm going to read part of it, and then we'll take a part even further down the road here. It says, He took the twelve aside, and He said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles. He will be mocked and insulted, spit upon, and they will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they, his disciples, his 12 disciples, understood none of these things. They didn't have a clue. They couldn't see what he was talking about. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things that were spoken. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us as we take apart these passages. We pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into the truth, that you'd build your people up, Lord, for your glory and our greater joy. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed by saying amen. You may be seated. And so when Jesus reminds them these passages we just read, that he's headed to the cross, they're not seeing. They're not seeing what he's talking about, and they're not seeing because they don't want to see. They don't want to see this, okay? They want him to do some killing, not to be killed. He said, I'm going to the cross. I'm about to go to the cross. Their political desire for the Messiah to overthrow the Roman oppression. This was the first century situation there in, in the Holy Land. Rome had annexed Israel and was taxing them heavily. All the Jewish people there wanted the Messiah to come and overthrow the Romans and get them off their backs. They don't want to even consider the fact that this one that they've been following for three years, this Jesus of Nazareth, that he's gonna die, and not wanting to hear this first part, that he's gonna die, they weren't weren't listening when he said, and then I'm gonna rise from the dead. I'm gonna die as your sin, is what he's saying. So they're not seeing. His own disciples, after three years, they're blind to what their Messiah is about to do. They're blind, and then notice what happens. It happened as he was coming near Jericho, verse 35, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. Here's his disciples blinded to what he just said. And they come upon a man who's physically blind. Okay, they're heading south. They're heading toward Jerusalem. If you're going from the north to the south, you go along the Jordan Valley and you come to a city called Jericho. Interestingly enough, Jericho is at the lowest land elevation on planet Earth. And some scholars believe it's the oldest, longest inhabited city in the world. So it's a very interesting city that Jesus is coming to here. This is the first city, Jericho, that the children of Israel possessed when Joshua... Check this out, 3,400 years ago, Joshua led them into this land. They were actually re-entering the land because 4,000 years ago, God called Abraham and gave him that land. 4,000 years ago, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there was a famine in the land. They ended up going into Egypt for 400 years. So when Joshua led them back, 3,400 years ago into the land that God had given them, the first city they came upon was Jericho. And here's Jesus coming into Jericho, and there's this blind man. There's a blind beggar there on the side of the road, and it says in Mark 10, we, we're told his name. His name was Bartimaeus. Bar in the Hebrew means son of He was the son of Timothy, the son of Timaeus, okay? Sitting by the road, verse 36, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. Okay, so being blind, he has an acute sense of hearing. You know, as we know, if someone loses one of their senses, it's amazing how the human body adjusts and the other senses are heightened, right? So on this day, Bart, I'll call him Bart here, he hears a crowd coming toward him. He can't see, he's blind, but he can feel the buzz that's in the air this day. He can feel that there's something unusual happening. And he begins to ask everybody around him, what's happening? What's going on here? And so they told him, verse 37, that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Now at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's just about ready to go to the cross, the fame of Jesus has spread all over Israel. Everybody has been hearing that the works that the prophets had said would happen when the Messiah came on the scene, that those works were happening through this Jesus of Nazareth. So Bartimaeus has heard of Jesus and here he is listening with his sonar-like hearing. You know, and he realizes this crowd is getting closer. This crowd, the epicenter of which is this Jesus of Nazareth. His, the hope begins to soar in his heart. And his faith begins to rise. And notice verse 38, it says, he cried out. This means repeatedly and loudly saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Like the disciples sending their parents away, Those that were around Jesus at this point who went before him warned Bartimaeus saying, you need to be quiet, man. You need to pipe down, okay? Remember the parents were coming to Jesus with their babies and the disciples sent the parents away? Remember that scene? They were thinking that Jesus had more important things to do than spend time with little kids. And bless them. You know, they couldn't yet see. They couldn't yet see what Jesus was about. And they sent the parents away. And Jesus, the only place we're told in the scripture that he got angry with his disciples was when they were sending little kids away. He said, let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And so here these followers of Jesus on the road to Jericho that day... Like bodyguards, here's how they fancied themselves, like bodyguards protecting a celebrity or a dignitary. They're thinking, we gotta shut this blind guy up. He's so annoying. He's so loud. Dude, you're giving Jericho a bad look. Pipe down is what they told him. They warned him that he should be quiet. But notice Bartimaeus, (laughs) the effect it had on him was that he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He can't see, but he knows Jesus is right there in front of him. Now by crying, Son of David, he's declaring that he believes that Jesus is Israel's Messiah. All the Jews knew from their own prophets that the Messiah would be from the lineage of David. Okay? You remember the first of these people, these people through whom God has chosen to bring his light and salvation to the entire world, to you and me. The first of these people was a man named Abram. You know where Abram was from? He was from the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is modern day Iraq, which is very interesting to me that this whole thing started with a guy from Iraq. Okay, And he called him to the land, he gave him the land. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God and his name was changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of the tribes was Judah. David, the prophets had said, the Messiah is gonna come from the family and the lineage of David. And so your king, your everlasting king, O Israel, will be from the line of David. And so when this blind Bartimaeus here is crying out, son of David, have mercy upon me, he's saying, Messiah, you're the Messiah, have mercy upon me. And to the crowd around Jesus, Bartimaeus is just this blind, obnoxious, embarrassing person. And yet he will not be denied. And notice his persistent cry of faith stops God in his tracks. Notice there, verse 40. And so Jesus stood still. Everybody's looking around like, what is happening? Why is Jesus stopping? And then notice Jesus commanded that this Blind Bartimaeus be brought to him. To those guys who had just told him to shut up, (laughs) they're now thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus is actually calling this guy. This guy that we are pushing away, Jesus is drawing near. You ever find yourself in that place where you're doing something and you realize, I'm working against God here? I've been there many times. (laughs) I'm doing the opposite of what God's doing. You know, it says in Mark ten forty nine. he gives more information here, Mark does. He says, we're told there that Jesus, these guys that he sent to fetch this blind man, they said to the man, be of good cheer, man. We just, he, he's, he's not of good cheer because they just trampled on him. <laughs> you know, they're like, cheer up, man. He's calling you. These same folks who had scornfully said to this guy, pipe down, you are totally annoying. As these folks just witnessed this man stopping God in his tracks, they're now looking at him differently. They realize God sees this guy differently than we see him. They realize God sees this man differently than we were seeing him. And now instead of dude, be quiet, you're embarrassing us, they're saying be of good cheer. He's calling you. Jesus is calling you. Mark 10:50 it says that the guy threw aside his garment and he came to Jesus. And let me say briefly here before we go to the next verse that when we see people as God sees them we treat them differently. Instead of seeing folks as another person sucking up precious oxygen, or as another this is another person clogging up the freeway, right? I'm sorry, that's how I saw a lot of people yesterday coming back from the drag races in Pomona. <laughs> I was trying to get back here to preach last night, and I'm like, oh, I was, I was not seeing the people around me as God sees them. But when we see them as valuable, God so loved the world, every person you will ever encounter that he gave his son. When we see people as God sees them, this is the secret to powerful and fruitful Christian ministry. Simply seeing people as God sees them and this is something that we need to ask the Holy Spirit and we're gonna ask him this morning to open our eyes to see. To open our eyes to see what God sees. This is why Paul prayed in essence in in Ephesians chapter 2. He prayed and you can check that verse out and pour yourself into it. But he prayed that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us that we would see God in Christ and people through his eyes that we would see ourselves as God sees us. That'll rock your world. That'll rock your world right there. Powerful ministry happens when people look at us looking at them, follow this. When people look at you looking at them and they see hope for them in your eyes. This is where life transforming ministry happens through a person. When people look at you and they, and they see you seeing them, and they look at you and there's like hope in your eyes for them. And then they ask you, why do you look at me like that? And they might not ask it in those words, but when a real, a genuine Christian that's not walking in blindness, like I've walked too long, when we're in the midst of anybody for any season of time, they, will, they should be wondering, why is it that when I'm around this person, I feel like there's hope for me? Why is it? I mean, my dad raised me and told me I'm a hopeless case. My teachers told me, you're, gonna, you're a loser. You're not, why is it that when I'm around you, this is what people should be wondering around a Christian who's seeing People through God's eyes. Why is it when I'm around you, I feel like there's hope for me? And they might flat out ask you, what is it? What is it about you? Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3:15. He said to, he said, Tell them, be ready at all, be, be always ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Peter assumed that as Christians live among the people of this world, that those people would be curious, why do we look at you with so much hope? And he said, so be ready at all times to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason for the hope that's within you. Why do I look at you like there's hope for you? Because there is. There's a great hope for you. God loves you so much that it's unfathomable how much he loves you. He gave his son for you. I have an only son. I have an only son and I would not exchange my son for the title deed of every piece of property on planet earth. How did I ever get something so valuable? There's a message in this John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his own. It means that you are so valuable to God unfathomable worth that he would give his son for you. God's not out to get you. Tell him. When they're asking you, what is it? Why, are you, why do you look at me like that? God's not out to get you like you're thinking. He's out to get you to bring you to himself. He just sent his disciples to go fetch this guy. He's not out to get you the way you think he's out to get you. He's out to get you to bring you to himself. He heard your cry. So Bartimaeus, desperate cry of faith, stops Jesus in his tracks. Right there on the road, everything comes to a halt. And when he had come near, Jesus asked him. And I, my, I picture Jesus for sure. In my brain, it's for sure. Big smile on his face. Looking at this guy. Even though he, the guy can't see him yet. Jesus has a big smile, and he's like, dude. I don't know if he said dude. He said the equivalent. I love your audacity, man. I love your audacity, your persistence. And we have proof that Jesus does love audacity and persistence. We're going to look at a verse in a minute. But Jesus said to this guy, what do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you, man? And he said, I just want to see I just want to see. I want my sight. In Mark 10, 51, it tells us that this, that this blind man addressed Jesus with the word Rabboni. It doesn't just mean rabbi. It means my rabbi. Here's this blind man standing there. Jesus says, what, do you, what can I do for you? And he says, Rabboni, my, my rabbi. I just want to see. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith, has made you made you well and immediately he received his sight and notice began to follow him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it they gave praise to God and so here's a word for someone here this morning i believe this is a word for someone that's here this morning sometimes to get to jesus you have to get past his followers who sometimes are blinded to what he's doing in people's lives. This is my conviction as I've been preparing this study is God, I don't want to be blind. I don't want to not hear what you're saying. I don't want to not see what you're seeing because I've done that. I've lived like that. I want to be seeing what you see, God. I want to be used of you. Okay? Sometimes to get to Jesus, you have to get past his followers who are sometimes blinded to what he's doing in people's lives. God's bigger than his followers, praise God. Maybe you've been pushed out and told to be quiet. Maybe you've been marginalized by Christians. Doesn't mean that God's not calling you, saying, I want you, I want you to come here. And be with me. I want to heal you. I want to cleanse you. I want to give you new life. Bartimaeus' prayer here is a picture to us of the kind of prayer that stops God in his tracks. That persistent, audacious kind of prayer. Being told to pipe down, he pipes up. (laughs) And next thing you know, he's being called by Jesus. You come here. And You can read in Luke 11, we could read through it, but Jesus tells a story about an audacious person that came in the night asking for bread, and even though the guy didn't want to get it because the person was so persistent, the the guy got out of bed and gave him his bread, and then Jesus concludes in Luke 11 verse 9, he says, so I say to you, ask, keep asking, Seek and you, he says, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks will find and the one who, who knocks, the door will be open. Charles Spurgeon says of this passage, that he says, Take the gates of heaven and shake them with your vehemence as though you would pull them up, post and bar and all. Pray audaciously like the blind man. He says, Spurgeon says, stand at mercy's door and take no denial. Knock and knock and knock again as though you would shake the very spheres. He's saying, get Pentecostal with your bad self is what Spurgeon is saying here. He says, but but that you would obtain an answer to your cries. How many of us though, how many of us painfully aware of our failings, and shortcomings, never really call out with this type of audacious prayer, you know, this bold type of prayer, how often I can barely eke out my prayers, I can barely even say my prayers, because I'm silenced, I'm restrained by a sense of condemnation, because we all still have struggles in the flesh with sin, all of us do. Knowing this is our tendency, the writer to the Hebrews said these words Hebrews four fifteen We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Many times the reason I don't pray with this boldness is because I'm like, Who am I to pray? I, I've, how, all the stuff I'm struggling with in my flesh and my thoughts and the sin that I struggle with, I, I can't pray. The writer of the Hebrews says, we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. He sympathizes with those weaknesses. And it says, yet he was, without, he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin." And some people look at that and go, well, 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 he he can't understand me because I sin all the time. No, he understands the power of sin more than you do. If we lined up four people right here, you know, we had Manny and we had Herm Heiskes, we lined them up here. We had Steve, okay, and then Jesus is at the end, right? And they all have this metal cap on their head with these wires that go to this sin meter, And someone turns it to one. You know, and Manny's over here. He's trying to hang in there. The strength of sin is at one. He makes it. But when it hits two, Manny goes down, you know. And now Steve and Herm and Jesus are still standing, right? And they crank it up to three and four. Boom. And then Herm goes down at three. Steve goes down at four. Jesus is standing there it goes to five, six, seven, and eight. He understands the power of sin more than we do because when it hits one or two or three, I fall. (laughs) You see, this passage is telling us that we have a high priest. He sympathizes with the power of sin. And notice this conclusion, the writer of Hebrews there, when he tells us, Jesus sympathizes with you. He's not mad at you. He's not sick and tired of you. He's not not condemning you. Who is he that condemns, Paul asks in Romans 8. It's not Jesus. Paul says Jesus is the one who died as your sin, rose from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for you that you'll make it, that you'll get back up, that your sins are forgiven. He's not against you. Who's against you? There's an enemy. There's a spiritual enemy that's condemning you. Jesus sympathizes with us in our human condition. And we're human, guys. If we could really see what's going on in everybody, you would see that they're just like you. Everybody in this room is just like you. That's what you would see. That everybody has sinned in the past and everybody has struggles. That's one of the advantages of being a pastor, you know, that we meet with people you know scores of people every week every month over all the years i have no illusion about anybody here i know that you all are just like me and we all need jesus desperately you know that's what i know Some of you walk in here and you're like, who are all these good church people? Man, I can't really, if these people knew what was going on inside of me, the stuff I, let me tell you, they're struggling with the same stuff you are. That's the advantage of being a pastor, of you guys all coming to us and pouring your hearts out. You're exactly what the Bible says you are, a person who's desperate for the grace of God. And guess what? We have the grace of God. We have a high priest who sympathizes with us in our weakness. Bartimaeus is not praying because he feels himself worthy to pray. Notice his cry. He cries out and says, have mercy upon me. This is, he's exactly saying, I don't feel myself better than anybody. I don't feel myself worthy. I'm asking you for mercy. I'm asking you to have mercy upon me, Lord. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews says, that we should therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. But you think because you're in need, because you're so messed up that you can't even pray. No, this is the prayer that stops God in its tracks. This reminds me of the story that Jesus told of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember, the the Pharisee goes up and he prays in this deluded religious mindset. God, I thank you that I'm better than everybody else. You know, I'm holier than all these other people. And the Bible says that he prayed thus to himself. God wasn't even listening to that nonsense. But this tax collector comes in. He wouldn't even, he stood afar off. He wouldn't even look up. He beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And then notice Jesus' conclusion about these two guys. He said in Luke 18, 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, the tax collector went home justified. The tax collector went home justified. I love that. Bartimaeus, hearing that the Messiah is near, he wholly throws himself upon the mercy of God. He doesn't cry out like this because he feels himself better than anybody. He doesn't feel that he deserves God to do anything for him. He cries out wholly upon the basis of God's mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus responds with a big smile. What do you want me to do? What can I do for you, man? Name it. I just want to receive my sight. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus. And I want to close this morning by reminding all of us that Jesus' wonders are also signs. Did you ever hear the phrase, the Bible speaks of it, that Jesus did signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. What does that mean? It means that every miracle he did was a sign It had a message in it to us. This chapter, this passage that we looked at this morning opened with Jesus' disciples blinded to what he was saying was gonna happen to him and immediately he heals a blind man. He's speaking to his disciples about their blindness. They were pushing away a man that God was bringing near because they couldn't see the man. Okay, this miracle, this wonder is a sign. It's a sign to them. And here's the sign. It's a picture of what God is doing in our lives. He's wanting to open our eyes to see him, number one, in Christ and to see people through his eyes. This is the sign. And here's a word for those that are wanting to be used of God here today, like I do. I want to be used of God. We need to ask God to enlighten our eyes, to see, to see people. You could go to seminary for four years and become a doctor of divinity and have people calling you reverend, and you could be spiritually blind to the people right in front of you. You could be a nobody that works at the gas station washing windshields, and if you see people through God's eyes, you'll be the most joy filled, fruitful person in the entire valley here as every person you see leaves your presence thinking, why do I feel like there's hope for me when I'm around that person? The gospel begins by our seeing through His eyes. The power is people look at you, looking at them, and they're wondering, why? If if it's just words, it's just words, but you're not seeing, there's no power there. That's why Paul prayed that prayer for the Ephesians, and we're gonna pray that prayer for ourselves in a second here. But let us be careful. I'm speaking to myself. If you're getting anything out of this, that's a bonus. But let's be careful that we're not shutting up or shutting out anyone for whom Christ died. God has a heart even for people that annoy you. <laughs> God has a heart for the people that annoy me. Where am I gonna, where am I gonna live? Am I, is my, the scope of my ministry gonna only be towards those that I think are cool? You know, maybe it will be. That's a sad thing. This is what God wants to do. This is the key to entering the kingdom, the key to powerful ministry to people around us. Let's pray together. Lord, just like Paul prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians 1, he said, Paul said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he might open your eyes to know him better. I pray, Paul said, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that you might see who you are, how you are God's inheritance. And we pray the same prayer, Lord, that you would open our eyes. It's a spiritual thing. It's not only a mental, intellectual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Open our eyes to see what you see. Lord, and I pray that you would use us as we just go and look at people. And they realize there's hope for me, that you'd bring hundreds of thousands of people in this valley to Christ. And they would see him in our eyes, Lord, as you fill us with your spirit, as you open our eyes to see what you see. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name and everybody who agreed said out loud together, hey, let's stand and we'll close in a song together, worship the Lord.
1: You give life. you are love, you bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. We sing great, we sing great. Lord, we sing great are you Lord So holy, so worthy.
4: you if you're here this morning and the lord is opening your eyes to see that he's calling you he wants you he's fetched you he's saying come here to me if you would if this is your moment to receive the lord i want to invite you i'm going to be on the edge of the stage i want to invite you to come down i would love to pray with you so please come down we'll pray together It's a starting point of just confessing before men. I believe I'm receiving him. He's receiving me. If you need prayer for anything else, we have, see the guys around the the door there? These guys are, they're called and they love to pray. Man, if you show up to get prayer, they'll be delighted to pray for you. But get prayer before you go. Say hi to someone on your way out. Blessings be upon you. We'll see you next week. God bless you. happy Veterans Day.